When I got married, I told my husband, it may take us a year or two. It didn't occur to me that it could even take as long as it did. Fertility rates had fallen dramatically. Many countries are now on the verge of a baby bust. Infertility is extremely common. There are over 7 million people in the country who are experiencing infertility. These are doctors. We believe what doctors tell us. Infertility is considered a disease, and many of these couples don't know what to do or where to turn. This is a doctor that holds my happiness in his hands. I'm Danny, and turns out trying to get pregnant isn't easy. And I should know, after two long years of serious hard work and a lot of effort, I'm trying and pretty much failing at 34. And I'm Simone, a midwife who has branched out into the world of fertility. I've seen and learnt a lot, massive highs and tragic lows. But generally, I carry the baton of optimism and realism. I want to share what I can to help people who are experiencing issues now. Welcome to the Mission Baby podcast. We have a very special guest in, don't we, Danny? We do indeed, Simone, and I am particularly excited as I recently had a three-hour consultation with this guest. And let me tell you, it was seriously profound. Very intriguing. It's a great pleasure to introduce you to Katie Brindle, a Chinese medicine practitioner for over 20 years and who will help us to discover how Chinese medicine can help with fertility. Welcome, Katie, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's lovely. <laughs> Can we start, Katie, mm. by just finding out a little bit about you? Yes, because I think one of the reasons we sort of clicked so well when we were talking was when you're dealing with sort of, you know, a, a baby-focused podcast that not only can I give you information sort of professionally from a sort of Chinese viewpoint, which, by the way, has got the most incredible information for women um, it, across all areas of female health, but, you know, particularly with um, fertility. But also, coincidentally, I had my own journey along the way, which really led to um, me being a bit of a sort of life expert, I guess, on having children, because I've kind of got the whole gig going on. You really do. Life. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so, so tell us, what do you mean by that? Katie? Well, what I mean by that is that, lo and behold, ladies listening, um, if anyone's struggling to get pregnant, I've got quite an interesting story. I got pregnant, slightly a bit of a mishap pregnancy the first time round, which was uh, wonderful, obviously, to created my first child. Then um, as a result of that, I ended up with secondary infertility, which we were discussing at the time. It's just a huge growing problem now for women, um, which then resulted in various rounds of IVF um, and all the disappointments of that not working until eventually I did donor eggs and ended up with donor egg twins, which I have, who are now wow. nearly 10. And then now I also have two foster children as well. So I've gone from none to one to three to five. Wow. <laughs> I've got the whole gig going on. So incredible. <laughs> so there is hope for everyone. I there think absolutely is. is. Being. Is it just that you had loads of love to give? Did it all just come organically? How, yes, it's come, how did it all happen? No, well, it, honestly, it wasn't planned. It was deemed that my fertility levels were just really, really low. Um, that thus turning first baby into a total miracle, to be honest. So it's very much God given, in my opinion. Um, and then it was really, I sort of had this moment sort of with the universe and I kind of sat there and I thought, right, okay, well, we can kind of keep playing this game like a long time, but I am going to have a sibling for my child. And that is that. And I don't care how I'm going to do it. It can come in via the stalk. I don't really care, but we're going to do it. So what a great mindset to have. Yeah. It, and it is so much about mindset. Totally. I'm just, I'm totally in awe of your strength right now. Well, I, thank you. I mean, I did pay a price, I have to be honest with you. So 
The donor eggs was then successful. I was very blessed. And then, of course, my life tends to be one extreme or the other. It's either amazing or horrendous. And of course, the horrendousness was all the endless rounds of IVF and all the disappointments. That, that How many rounds did you do? I did two, but I'd done quite a lot of other things before that as well. Sort of, you know, IUIs and oh, just all the, all the timings and oh my goodness, you yeah. know, when you're constantly being a thermometer every morning. Yeah. And every month you think you might be getting pregnant, so you can't travel and do this and do that. And it went on for, you know, two years. But all this time, there was nobody who maybe giving you a scan of your insides to know exactly what was going on? I had on. tests done, but you know what was strange was that, and now, of course, in hindsight, now I know I had adhesions because I had an emergency caesarean, which is, you know, the wonders of the brilliance of Western medicine because, you know, baby and mother alive and well. Absolutely. Thank, thank mm. God. Um, otherwise, we both would have died. Um, but the result of that, which I didn't know about at the time, was something called adhesions, which was internal scar tissue, basically, which had completely and utterly destroyed my lower abdomen. But I didn't know. It was all just numbed down. You just don't think about it. And strangely, they didn't check it at the clinic, which in hindsight, again, I don't know why they didn't, but they didn't. So I had a lot of these internal tests done and various things, but it didn't get picked up. So it wasn't until I went in for what I love to call the elective caesarean. I love that. I elect a caesarean. I I elect live (laughs) surgery on my lower abdomen whilst I'm fully conscious. And that is my free choice. Please (laughs) cut me open. (laughs) Cut me open. Go on. Let's see how we get on. Anyway, so I elected my caesarean and it was a really surreal moment because I went in and it was all, you know, all organised 8.30 in the morning and they had had wham playing, literally. (laughs) I'm like, wham, bam. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just so weird. You should be given the choice to, you know, what would you like to listen to? Can I elect something a bit bit calm? Anyway, but, and then in the meantime, my husband... But I love George Michael. <laughs> I love George Michael. But anyway, meanwhile, my poor husband, who when we had the first traumatic birth with my first daughter, which resulted in, this, in the C-section, which was non-elective at the time, it was emergency, you know, they were rushing me in and they gave him this blue hat thing to wear. And he sort of... Put it, but he didn't realise it's for his head, and he put it on his foot, and it was all life and death. He's like, so, so one foot, <laughs> one foot. He's okay, like, I need the other one. And then this time round, of course, he knew it was for his head, and he's going ah like this, and he put it on his head, and then proceeded to smash into all of the sterilised equipment, and it went clattering. Oh all over my the gosh! Oh, I can't make these things I mean, up. It was, it was can a you? And meanwhile, I put on so much weight with this pregnancy. I was now over twenty stone. No, you were I not. Was. No, you were yes, not. Yes, I can do a whole podcast with you about how to. Can I just clear? Clearly say that we are looking at a lady here now who's probably circa size 10 to 12. Yeah, 10 so 12. to understand that she's size 20, I need some diet tips. Trust me. But that's another podcast. That's another podcast. But I was so enormous that the anaesthetist couldn't actually find any landmarks to oh actually put in the gosh. epidural. So she's like stabbing me oh in my, my back with George Michael playing and my husband like sent it. Anyway, I digress. So uh, anyway, the twins were born um, and it was at that moment that uh, the aesthetician realised that I had all these adhesions that was just unbelievably serious. So that was kind of the very traumatic aspect of the birth of my twins, which resulted in intensive care and a whole load of other issues that came off the back of that. In the meantime, whilst I was dealing with motherhood, I was also progressing my own career as a Chinese doctor, which was something that I've been absolutely fascinated by for, you know. So let's just be clear here. Yeah. So you at the time have twins mm. plus an older child. Yeah. Um, okay. And then you decide to embark on Chinese medicine? Well, I already know, actually, Chinese medicine started when I was about 28. Um, but it was being a Chinese medicine practitioner is one of those things that, you know, a lifetime isn't enough. So what I learned when I was 28 sort of took me to the, that was the beginnings of what I did. And then it's been a 20 year process of, of uh, um, knowledge and information and understanding how to actually allow Chinese medicine to come back into our culture in its its full remit, which it's not at the moment. People always think it's acupuncture and herbs, Mm. which it is, but there's a whole load of other stuff which is so useful for women to know about because there's all this stuff you can do for yourself, which doesn't require acupuncture or herbs. It's called yang sheng. 
So, Katie, you've touched on, you know, what women think uh, traditionally Chinese medicine is Mm. with fertility. It's herbs, it's cupping, it's acupuncture. But actually, in your opinion, how does Chinese medicine work to improve fertility and reproductive health? Well, um, the first instance is that Chinese medicine, when practiced in its full entirety, which is now possible, um, is that all it's doing is it's just balancing the body. And the thing to know about bodies is that bodies are responsible for two things. Okay, the first is keeping you alive and the second is to procreate. Um, But the number one is the number one. So if your body is under a lot of stress, which we all are, and your lifestyle isn't quite as optimal as it could be, and that's not a criticism, it's just we're living in an age where we are all extremely stressed and, and the world around us is now extremely toxic. So it's not, the world around us is not conducive to fertility because it's the one system of the body that if under stress, the body can shut down because it's the only one that's non-essential for your life, which is what it does. And that's what it is doing. Um, And so the first thing that we need to do is basically look at our lifestyle. Before we do anything, before we spend any money, just with anybody, look at your own lifestyle and and have a serious check-in to what it is that you're doing and how you're living your life. I could not agree more. I must say maybe three, four times a day, two women, you really need to just try to de-stress during this process. And they look at me like, "Mm." and I often say, if it's music, if it's walking, if it's dancing, if it's talking to friends, but we're also going to add in Chinese medicine. Yes, so that that was really, because. so I wrote a book about this that went out last year, which is called Yang Sheng. Um, and, you know, this isn't a, pro- a plug for the book at all, but what it was was basically me... We can plug the book. Well, thank you, but, you know, um, really what it was was me sort of after sort of 20 years of thus far studying, um, what I realised was that actually you needed to understand Chinese medicine to understand the books that are out there because it's a bit mysterious at the moment because everyone thinks it's acupuncture and herbs and they assume that you have to ga- give your power over to a third party to do it for you. But actually, when you're dealing with, with, with women, you know, we're intelligent creatures. Basically, if we understand techniques that we can apply for ourselves and we need to get on and do them Mm -hmm. and the thing is saying to somebody to try not to get stressed is not very helpful what we need to understand is actually a technique which is as simple as say brushing your teeth which deals with it so what is it that we need to do to not get stressed if I go back to the amazing um, knowledge of Chinese medicine is that actually for your body to be healthy which is what we need so relaxation techniques is just keeping your body healthy there's only one thing that you need to do And that distills down every single incredible thing that Chinese medicine tells us, which is you need the free flow of circulation around the body. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's nothing more than that. Now, that sounds really simple, but actually, given that we are sedentary, that we are dealing with the stress response all day long, and that we're not breathing properly and that the air is toxic, we're not eating properly and our food is toxic, and that the circulation is getting stuck because the fight or flight response is taking the circulation away from the peripheral organs of the skin and of the digestive system, and it's putting it in the muscles for fight or flight, except we're sitting at a desk. So we're not doing the flight and then the rest after the after the panic. You know, so you know if you've run for the 19 bus on Oxford Street and you finally get get your seat. Oh my God, I've made it. You know, you're tired because you think, oh, I need to catch my breath and relax. But we're not doing that because we're sitting here. So even if you're getting to the gym at the end of the day, you're not dealing with the fact that you've got an overload of stress hormones going into the circulation, a load of toxicity coming in, and then the stress response pushing it into the muscles. So the problem is then is that the body isn't now balanced because the circulation is simply in the wrong place. And then you can't sleep and then you feel stressed and then you feel tense and then all the other things start piling in. And then in comes the fertility issue. So the very first thing you need to do is enable the circulation to move around the body. It's that simple. Move your circulation, you'll feel better. And it will help your fertility. 
Oh my goodness. We yeah. know in Western medicine, we know that quite often um, adding something like a um, blood thinner to aid circulation or an aspirin to aid circulation is, is what um, people are encouraged to do to aid their their circulation to their uterus. Mm. And what you're saying is that by aiding circulation around your body, it's going to release your stress. Of course. And, and improve your circulation. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of common sense that comes in, isn't there? I mean, yeah. We are so sedentary and we know we need to move more. Whereas if something can just help the blood flow around our body, it's going to help. It's yeah. going to help fertility. It's going to help release our stress. I mean, you know, history has evolved. This moment in time that we're in right now is a fascinating moment in time, especially for sort of female energy, I think. But the reality is, is that human beings have evolved over thousands of years, millions of years. And therefore, these te- so have these techniques. And effectively, the things that I preach are, they're not in contradiction to Western medicine at all. I mean, look, I am a living example of the success of Eastern and Western medicine combined. I'm alive because of Western medicine. I've had babies because of Western medicine. All three of them have come to me through Western medicine intervention. And of course, when you're trying to get pregnant things, and there are amazing fertility clinics, and I use them. So I would love to ask you for any women that come to your clinic and have infertility issues and come to talk to you about it, what sort of treatment plan do you give them? Like, What is your advice? What I do is I focus on diagnosis because, again, what I've understood is that the answer to the question why needs to be answered before you then start to do anything else. Like, why, why can I not get pregnant? Like, that is the first question that we ask, isn't it? So the mm. first question I ask myself, why? why? How come I got pregnant when I didn't want yeah. to? And now, now I'm desperate and it's not happening. Why? So that's what I do is I answer the question why. And um, that's obviously a bespoke thing. But if I'm... That's a huge, huge thing to say. Well, because very from, profound. From my experience, most people, they do want to know why. But over and above that, they just want to get pregnant. Mm. So ultimately, I often, I often say to people, you could keep doing test after test after test after test and you might have um, some indication as to why. Mm. But ultimately, you don't want to wait two, three, four, five, six years whilst your ovarian reserve is diminishing. Mm. You want to find out now. Yeah, you, you, you want to, sorry, you want to get pregnant now. Yes. So at 100%. And I've been in that position, especially with secondary pregnancy, because, you know, you've, got a, you've already got a child. And mm. so the age gap's increasing with every month that goes by. So for me, that was even more stressful. Than and you're getting more anxious mm. yeah, with you, that gap. You're thinking age gaps, age gaps, oh, you know, one year, two years, three years, four years. And, it's, you know, in the end, it was a four-year age gap. You know, so by, by year two, you know, I was crying my eyes out every single month with my little now two-year-old daughter giving me her dollies, going, Mummy, you can have one of my babies. Oh, oh it was so sweet. Oh, oh my God. Anyway, got there in the end. But um, so the thing is with my clinics is that I, I have focused my clinics onto the internet. That's what I do. Okay, they're virtual clinics and they're free. Okay, so it's a free resource. So the first thing to do when you're looking at the bodies, you've got to start, gen- it's like a funnel. You've got to start general and you've got, to, you've got to work out the most broad and then bring it in, bring it in. So the very first thing is what we've been talking about is that modern living is playing havoc with female bodies. Why? Because we have inherited, Not I'm not being militant here, but we have just fact inherited a patriarchal society. So the rules of the game have been created by men. And we are changing them, but that is a fact. So therefore, as women... But even, even how we, I mean, we have inherited it, but even how we politely apologise for it, because we are, as you were saying earlier, you know, we, we're raised to be nice women who say, mm. you know, oh, is that okay and everything. It is. It's not our fault that we've been, we've inherited this patriarchal society. No, it just, it society. just, it just is. Mm. And again, Chinese philosophy is pretty good about this kind of stuff, about accepting the Tao, which is kind of, you know, that's a topic for another conversation. But basically, uh, by accepting the situation as it stands and then recognising, okay, I'm not making a, a comment about it one way or the other. It, it's just is what it is. Okay, so what does that mean for us? That means that to play by the rules 
they were created by men. Well, female bodies are not the same as male bodies and our bodies are what is keeping us alive. So in us, in order for us to live in the society that we are in, we have to play by rules which are not designed for ourselves because when our mothers were younger, they were getting married younger and having children younger and life was a lot slower in those days and everything was just different and it's not like that anymore. So what's the impact of that on our bodies? Well, the female reproductive system is a lot more complicated than the male one and yet our lives, our equality, which is a good thing, of course, has forced us to biologically behave in a way that's like alien to our own bodies. You know, we're getting up at a certain time, we're commuting, we're going to work, we're competing in the workforce for the same jobs. So therefore, our bodies are having to kind of work in a way that's kind of counterintuitive to themselves, not to mention the contraceptive pill, which um, is, I'm again, neither for nor against it. But the fact of the matter is that it wreaks havoc with the female reproductive system. So and most women at some point have taken some kind of contraceptive that is going to have an impact on her biological Mm. system. And again, there are reasons for this. And we have the right to choose. And goodness me, we are finally the first generation that really do have the right to choose. So I never sit there judging the the choice. I'm just dealing with the facts of the the knock-on effect of these choices. So the consequences are that traditionally we're supposed to have babies at 14 and it's quite easy to get pregnant. Our mother's generation were having babies in their early 20s. That was their generation. We are now largely having children in our 30s because that's our generation. So, And and the whole of the, if you start having periods at, say, 15, that's a 15-year period of your life where you've not been getting pregnant, fooling your body probably by some kind of trickery that it is actually pregnant. So the body thinks it has been pregnant. Um, and then actually exhausting your own energetic reserves by competing in the job market because that's the equal society that we're in. And that means that we get to flourish and be individual women. But ultimately, it's like a ticking time bomb and you start getting to your sort of early 30s and suddenly things aren't quite working very well. So it's not all doom and gloom, by the way. This is I'm just presenting the mm. situation. So what do we do? Well, the first thing is just accept the fact that there's loads of amazing techniques out there that can help us. And Chinese medicine is one of them. That's just the one that I talk about. There are many other systems too. But the first thing is, A, recognise where where we are, just recognise it. B, use the self-care techniques that we've been talking about and all the other ones in the book to basically give your body meaningful ways to actually relax itself and actually cope with what's going on on a day-to-day basis in the modern life so that our bodies are allowed to relax. Because as I said earlier, your body has two jobs. One, keep you alive and two, procreate. And if keeping you alive is taking up all its reserve and attention, it will not let you procreate. And that is that. It's protecting itself. Yeah. I personally highly advocate at this point acupuncture because acupuncture when practiced by good practitioners is just absolutely fantastic. And I can absolutely clarify categorically state that the acupuncturist who I'm happy to name because she's incredible, um, who um, helped me get pregnant with the twins. um, I'm absolutely convinced that it was because of her treatments that I ended up pregnant with the twins. And interestingly, a very interesting anecdote of what happened to me was that I actually shared my donor eggs with a really close friend of mine. And we did so. It was like a kind of blind trial. Of, I mean, OK, you can never blind trial. You can't. It's scientifically impossible. But here we have two women going through the same process at the same time with, you know, two healthy males with everything all ticking over the boxes for them. And there was 12 eggs were produced. So we had six each. And I ended up with my twins. And your I friend? Sadly didn't. That's very hard for her. But, but I had acupuncture and I did the pre and post and she didn't. And and ultimately, it's it's a percentage game that you're dealing with. You've just got to get your chances. Just not. It's it's like a like an egg timer. You know, you just want your you want your sand going in as much as it possibly can. So if you are in a, if you are going down the fertility route and you are spending money on IVF, then without question, please have acupuncture and do my techniques as well. 
acupuncture is just, when practiced correctly, life-changing. I just think there's there's a lot that goes into the whole mix. There's so mm. many different things. Mm. And the whole reason why Danny and I got to know each other was because as you entered into your journey you were open you were open-minded to everything totally and it does feed back to what you're saying in that the acupuncture helped you and the western medicine helped you but ultimately you must have had a very open mindset to say Mm. there's a lot involved here so I'd never just advocate it is only acupuncture or it's only western medicine no or it's only nutrition nutrition absolutely it's about saying right I'm entering this journey let's look at the body as a whole yeah it's a holistic view it's a 360 view of everything Mm. it really is so I I don't think one thing in isolation but definitely an open mindset and a holistic view I think a lot of women are very, very intrigued by Chinese medicine, including us. How would you recommend finding the very best? Well, I think things have changed a bit since when I was at the fertility. I mean, when I went to my fertility clinic, there was absolutely no sort of advice about this stuff at all. I mean, I happen to know about it, but, you know, and I wasn't even allowed to do my pre and post there, apparently for health and safety reasons. I'm like, yeah, right. But apparently now it's really common that the acupuncturists are there, which is fantastic because I think they've recognised that, you know, these, these, these clinics ultimately, you know, they need to make money as well. So if they can up their chances and you can go from sort of 34% to 42 that's a huge difference. I think I think what most people, I think anyone I've ever spoken to, what nobody disputes is that relaxation and a stress-free body it's, helped it's to key. make it optimal. 100%. So if acupuncture can give that to you, I think on any level, any Western practitioner I've ever spoken to will agree on that level, mm. that getting a woman's body into its optimal relaxed state mm. is optimal. And if that's acupuncture that works for you, fantastic. Absolutely. Especially when you are going through fertility treatments, because what they are doing ultimately is super engaging with your hormonal system. That's effectively how the treatment works uh, and it does work. But that does have a stress on the body because obviously the body is not designed to release, you know, 12 eggs at once. It's designed to release one. So there's a knock-on effect to that. So it's very difficult as a modern woman that I certainly know when I was going through IVF, you know, you sort of go and you go and have your clinic and you get given your dose and then you go back into your normal life and you sort of go back to the office. Mm. You know, okay. It's it's a bit of a disconnect with it. Well, a bit really because like in the old days it was like our job was to have babies. Now I'm not suggesting we go back to like the Handmaid Tale-esque style of you know, femininity. But, you know, just from a biological point of view, really, you know, you should be comp- that should be your full focus. But it, it, it isn't. And it isn't because, you know, we're equal members of society and we've got our lives to lead. Normally what comes out of this, by the way, it's a message of total hope, is learning and spiritual development, which is actually, from a Chinese point of view, the name of the game. So um, there's normally something that needs to be addressed out of this. But one thing I can say, as now the mother of five children, is that, depending how far you wish to stretch your boundaries, motherhood is possible for all of us. We're all sitting around this table because of all our personal situations, which which drive us to actually want to help people. And when you go to service of others, you, you go to a very high spiritual place in terms of, you know, using a negative experience for yourself to actually become a positive experience for someone else is the highest form of virtue for a human being, um, which is, again, very much sits comfortably within the concept of motherhood anyway because it's a transcendence of the self to bring in another life and that's kind of the rules of the game yeah um but you know it is a message of hope because i've lived through it myself and and that's i think i I guess i am a healer i suppose that's a looser sense of what i do and you know they always say that you know healers often have actually really bad health themselves because they're constantly having to that's why they've ended up where they've got to but you know through wounds we do heal um and there is a message of hope for everyone There, there really is because I mean, you know, the reality is there are many options available. And a question that I often get asked, which is a a question I'm going to answer, actually, which is, okay, let's just be honest. Do you love the other children as much as your own biological child? 
Shall I just put it out there? Um, in case my own children listen to this, and I can honestly tell you, you absolutely do from the bottom of my heart. Um, one thing that I could say that often from a male point of view, having done a lot of coaching with this too, is that often um, it's fear that's actually driving that and that the best thing to do is to actually look into fear. And um, from a Chinese perspective, this is called emotional alchemy. And it's about alchemizing a negative emotion with a positive one. And the interestingly, fear sits within the kidneys, which is also interestingly connected to fertility, which is all very interesting. Um, but the, the transcendent emotion of fear is wisdom. So perhaps the, the, the a, a, a thing to do would be to take men to, for example, a reluctant a reluctant husband that that thinks it won't love a future child, the same as its own biological DNA one, would be to go to, say, a support group which is aimed at men or listen to male stories of, of fathers where their wives have actually managed to break them down and go ahead anyway and actually listen to their stories because love does conquer all. It does. She says, sounding a bit sort of smolty, but it's true. And, you know... The love of a human being is 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 a wonderful force, especially when you've witnessed the birth of it. It's not. I'm not a militant feminist by a long stretch. You know, we are human beings evolved to live in harmony with one another. And actually, if we work spiritually on ourselves and take life's knocks to better ourselves with, then actually, that's actually going to create a better future for these children. I am so on your page. Mm. I am so on your page. I just, I'm looking for the way to get the person who isn't on our page connected mm. because to certain people you mentioned support group you mention loving someone who's not their genetic material it's just it's so, an alien concept it's, it? it's for, so sure alien many. Danny it's so alien and I can see it's like I'm speaking to you and I feel like I'm actually looking into your soul in Aww. a really deep way <laughs> but there's a lot of people you speak to and actually you can see door after door after door after door after door mm. and you wonder am I ever are we ever going to really talk properly and with you I do and you're you're an open person who um, I wish your message could get out to a lot more people well I mean thanks to you it is. Katie, what would be your top five pieces of advice for, for both men and women when trying to change or improve their reproductive health? The number one thing is to look realistically at your life and just look at it. And it's not a judgment call. It's just a practicality measure of saying, OK, well, how much am I rushing around? How healthy is my diet? Because, for example, you know, getting up at 6.30 and grabbing a coffee and rushing to the office and getting it sued for lunch and then rushing to the gym and having a, you know, even a, a stir fry from M&S, which has come out of plastic and, you know, cruelty chicken and all this stuff. That's not a healthy diet. OK, it's not. So we just have to be realistic about what we're doing. So um, the first thing is, I would say, is to, number one, be realistic about your lifestyle and just look at areas that you can actually really seriously manage to kind of like make some modifications to. So that's just a reality check. The second one is, I would suggest, use the techniques that I talk about on Instagram and in the book and look at them. They're all, there's, there's various different ones, all designed to be one or two minutes long. And look at your life and look at which ones you think that you could convincingly add in on a daily yeah, basis. It's, it's about incorporating yes, a ritual, self-care ritual. Yes, nothing too difficult, just a simple thing like the tapper or the breathing technique or um, adding, for example, another one, meditation, which is so good for you, but people can't do it. Well, I've got loads of explanations as to how to do simple meditation. So that sort of thing. Then it would be 
making some very simple modifications to, you know, the, the quality of your water. So don't just drink tap water, even in hot drinks. You know, have a really good water system in your, in your kitchen and use it. Water is a really important healing modality. As I said earlier, you've got oxygen first, then water, then food, then supplements. It's not the other way around. So having done some breathing techniques to relax and then check your water systems, then look at the food that you're eating and then look at dietary and supplements. And then the Chinese will always then talk about the Qigong techniques. So I suppose it would be in that order. So it's a bit of a roundabout answer. No, it's super helpful. And a lot of them, it it completely feels manageable to do. And that's the beauty of it. Yes, it has to be manageable. You won't do it. The power of water, but you just added in something really important about getting some kind of filter system. Yes, I I recommend, I've done a tea post recently and I really recommend the Nikken system, which um, when you... It's a Japanese system. The Japanese system is a really, really good one. Um, And again, it just lives, it's really easy. It lives in my kitchen um, and it's a really good quality of water. It also magnetises the water, which is something that we don't even know about. We're also busy filtering it if we do that, that we've forgotten that the water's kind of died a death kind of in the in the, in the pipe. Yes, of, it's a bit lifeless water. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas we, this this system has a magnetizer that whips it for nine minutes, and so the water. And you remember when you came in, everyone goes, "Oh, this tea, tea is delicious." Right, because the water's good quality. It's like, it's like cooking with good ingredients. It's the same thing. You can't same possibly, principle. yeah. And the water needs to be alive. Otherwise, it's not going into your cells mm. in a living in, in a living way. And remember, Chinese medicine is all about qi energy, not just about the actual thing itself. It's about the energy that it carries with it. So be very mindful what you're putting into your body. Um, but I think, can I just leave you with one thing that despite all of the things that we've been talking about today, that how you think and how you feel has carries more weight than any other physical thing that you can do in your life in terms of modification. So if your emotions are angry and frustrated and um, frozen in fear um, and that you're going round and round in circles with worry and that you're just kind of your emotional sort of remit is collapsing and that your thought processes are relatively negative, then that actually is going to counterbalance anything else that you do. So the mo- I could not agree more. I could mm. not agree more. But it's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. When yeah. someone is stuck in a really negative cycle, sometimes I wish I had a magic. But wand do you know what? To just uh, get them out of it. But what would your top tips be on that? Um, the f- if you're in a negative cycle, as I have been myself in many occasions in my life, the absolute one thing you have to do is go to a plan. You have to plan. Make a plan and stick to the plan and have especially when you're dealing with fertility, I had like a 10 stage plan. So I never dwelt on the, on the disappointments of which there were many. There was many months of disappointments and every month that went by, I viewed as the opening of the new month that was going to follow. And although it took me two years to go through it, the plan intensified. So the first plan was kind of, you know, a bit of stimulation, a bit of relaxation techniques. Oh, it still doesn't work. And step by step by step, all the way through to donor eggs. Mm-hmm. You know, I, t- I took it all the way through and, and, and now fostering and adopting as well. But, you know, all the way through to donor eggs was the plan. And even with the donor eggs I was already before I'd even found out if I was pregnant or not planning the next one planning the next round going I'm going to the next level and then if that doesn't work well I I mean you know I, I think I'd got planned three rounds of that um and then beyond that I hadn't got any further but it's a very good piece of advice in order to the plan stops the, emotion, the emotional roller coaster because you just simply take a deep breath and you move to the next step of the plan well, I think you feel more in control yeah you do and that helps the whole thing totally that's such a good piece of advice. It really, really is. And, mm. you know, some of the most successful people in this process that I've met, when I mean successful, they've got pregnant in this process. They have had a plan. Mm. And whether that means that you stop at a certain point, so you have to know where your plan's going, yes. how long you can stay on this plan. But it, those people, those women have 
achieved their pregnancies yep. um, because they've just kept going. Even if they had a negative, they've just kept going or they've mm. moved on to the next thing, whether right. it be adopting or fostering. Or something completely different because part of the plan is also a recognition that if there you reach a certain point we go at this point I've, I can't cope anymore I can't do anymore that's when other things there will always be something else that comes in mm. with every action there's a reaction with every step in life there's always something else you couldn't be necessarily be doing and something can always open up off the back of that Katie just listening to your stories listening to your actual own journey has been so inspirational and so fascinating thank you so much for sharing it all with us thank you just uh, I'm taking away that you have to plan you need to plan yeah I'm taking away that you have to be really positive and do you know what I'll use even the word stubborn mm. because you were so sure that you'd get to your final destination you you knew what you wanted and you weren't going to stop until you got there and I love that and I love the fact that you told the universe this is going to happen yeah and I think that's what we all need to do Mm. Oh, I'm going to tell the universe a lot today. <laughs> Can I just tell you, the universe didn't have to dish it right back with equal measure. It was like, all right, smart pants, does, we're going to give it what you two. want. But how about we're going to make you really, really enormous in the process that you can have to deal with the consequences of that and all the other health issues that came out. So it was a trade-off. But you kept the faith, and I think that was yeah. the most important thing. Definitely. And that is, you know, at the core of our message, isn't it, yes. Simone? Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to know more about some of the things we've been talking about, have a look at our show notes for further information and support. Do get in touch with us on Instagram at the Mission Baby Podcast or on email themissionbabypodcast at gmail.com. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. <laughs>